Well, it's uh, one of the biggest nights of the year. And, uh, Kevin, you notice that. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about the Jays athletics in a few minutes. That's not what I mean by the biggest night of the year. But you notice I'm trotting out your school colors here. Because them there Hokies, Virginia Tech. Yeah. They're North taking Carolina North tonight. Carolina. Lane Stadium. Lane Stadium. It'll be rocking. I hope so. They're not very good. You can't be, no, Virginia but if Tech. you can't be North Carolina, you, I mean, I know North Carolina was halfway decent last year, but let's go. I mean, come on. The, the, when you say North Carolina, does that just roll off your tongue really good at football? Absolutely uh, no. not. So no. let's go, Hokies. Be afraid. Is it true that a Hokie is a castrated turkey? That's a word. Okay. Yeah. It's just an odd. I mean, it's an odd. First, I didn't know that you could castrate turkeys. But other than that, it's kind of an odd. It's an odd choice for a mascot, isn't it? I don't know. I'll go talk to somebody. Have them change it. Yeah, just, just, just so just so that. No, I just thought, I don't know. I haven't really thought that much into it. Okay, just wondering. You know. I, I just I just like the school. I, I like rooting for them. Okay, no, that's fine. I just I think I, it's a beautiful it's a campus. Cool it's a great campus. I can't wait to go back, see it, take my family. My wife's never been there. My son's never been there. How come you're not talking about taking me there? We're gonna go watch a football game. You said it's gonna be like a a, a Who, bonding experience. What, we were you, you told a, me name the date that I said that. That was like last year sometime. Huh. I mean, like I'm not. You year. you can tag along. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to. Anyway. Driving separate cars. <laughs> and, you know, good luck to the Hokies as they <laughs> have different tickets, different <laughs> seats. <laughs> Where's Jeff? Oh, yeah, there, there he is. Binoculars. Way, way up there. It looks like way he's up there. Fun. Yeah. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Hey, you're number one. Anyhow, uh, good luck to the Hokies. Yeah, yeah. Good six luck. six I, o'clock. Everybody tune in. What do you say? Well, no, watch, watch the baseball. What do you say? Go Hokies or ho, ho? Like, what's the chant? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm talking to the guy who didn't know the school fight song. That's right. Really? Yeah, we played the school fight I, it's, song. Uh, like, you keep saying this. How many people know that? Yeah, everybody. 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 What's well, yours? University of Manitoba? Yeah, what is it? Let's hear it. Sing it. Oh, we don't have a fight song. Chop, chop. We don't have a, we don't have sure a fight song. Do. We Everybody's do not have a fight song. We don't need a fight song. We don't need a fight song. I think you, don't, you don't have, like, a rally song? Like a... Get everybody in the center of a... No. And... No. Let's everybody go learn something. <laughs> you know? There's not Let's one. everybody go learn something, <laughs> yeah. Let's go well, learn some farming. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, let's get the important stuff, shall we? Here we go. And you've never heard this before. Absolutely not. I don't think they've ever played this. Well, it's a fight song. Yeah, I don't think they have. I got the I got the lyrics here. Tech Triumph, it's called. Oh man. Yeah, Tech. Oh yeah. No, that's oh 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 oh. You may have done it. Now that may be the Virginia Cavaliers song you're playing. No, Virginia Tech. Okay, Virginia Tech. Tech men were tech men with spirit free and faithful. Backing up our team with hopes undying. Tech men, oh tech men, we're out to win today. Showing pep and the life with which we're trying. 
VP, old VP. What's VP? Virginia Polly? I don't know. There you go. That's it. You know our hearts are with you. In our luck, which never seems to die, win or lose, we'll greet you with a glad returning. You're the pride of VPI. Wow. Just watch our men so big and active. I'm just reading. Support the orange and maroon. Let's go tech. We know our ends and backs are stronger. I'm not going to go any farther than that, but that's what it says. Yeah. Anyhow, there you go. Sounds good. So, uh, yeah, all, all kidding aside, good luck to Virginia Tech tonight. I appreciate it. Honestly. They may need it. They haven't been the same since Michael Vick left, have they? No, they don't really have a quarterback. I think they have a transfer from Oregon who's who's going hut-hut. Hopefully he can do a good job and move him down the field. So instead of – a decent defense, maybe I heard. The guy was – Special teams, I think, has went away. Okay. The, uh, so the guy was an Oregon duck, and now he's gone to be a yeah, castrated yeah. turkey from a duck. <laughs> Uh, the Jays will start their three-game series against. I, I know I I do have a tendency to get stuck in really dumbass stuff. But anyhow, the Jays start their three-game series against the Oakland Athletics tonight. We have a big show lined up for you. Larry Walker joins us in a few minutes. He is going into Cooperstown, the uh, delayed Hall of Fame uh, ceremony. Uh, Brian Baker joins us. We talked about Brian Baker yesterday. A good story. I mean, if you like if you like guys who've kind of just put their time in and are mm-hmm. now in the majors. Brian yeah. Baker's a good story. And uh, it was a lot of a fun interview with him. Dallas Braden joins us. Always fun to talk to Dallas. And Ben Wagner joins us from the ballpark ahead of Alec Manoa's start tonight. And uh, well, Charlie Montoyo said before the game, you know, I've been jokingly saying that every series is the, it's the fifth, fifth time this year the Jays have been playing their biggest series of the year. But Charlie basically said today the same thing you said yesterday. This is the playoff start today. Like it does. You, you, got, you got seven games against Oakland. Six and one, five and two. If they're four and three or they have a losing record, they're, they're out of it. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you've got to yeah, you lay a marker down here. I'm with you completely. Six and one, five and two in the, in the very least. It's a lot to ask. Well, yeah. Now, you're getting a, you're getting a couple of, of lefties. And you're going to Yankee Oakland, Stadium. And oh, you're going to Yankee oh, Stadium. Well, yeah, there's, there's that. With people in the well, seats. Oh, you don't think it matters? Huh. And who knows? There's always a chance the Yankees could get COVID or something like that. Uh, I mean, there just is. I, I, you know, it's it's we've seen that. And with the Boston be the best, Red Sox, you want to beat the best. This is or are the standings as we speak. The Yankees are taking on Baltimore. They are a game and a half up on Boston. Boston has the second wild card. They're taking on Cleveland. Oakland, again, here in Toronto for three games. They're two out of the wild card. Seattle, which has won two in a row, is four out of the wild card. Toronto, which had the day off yesterday, is five back in the wild card. And then the Cleveland Indians, who've won four in a row, are seven and a half back at Toronto. So, you know, again, we've talked about you, you worry about the Yankees later, right now. Win your games against Oakland. Try to close the gap in the, and, and put yourself in a position where, where if you aren't in the second wild card, you're the team right under the second wild card spot and, and, and attempt to make some hay there. But that's, that's where we are right now uh, going, into, going into tonight's game. Now, the pitching matchups. You like the pitching matchups so far? You like I do. The, you, think? you got Sean Manaya. He's a lefty against Alec Manoa. 
You've got Jose Barrios against Paul Blackburn. He's a righty. And uh, Cole Irvin goes for Oakland in the series finale against Robbie Ray. So, I mean, if you're the Blue Jays, you've got, depending on how you feel about Steve Matz, I would say right now you got your three best starters going. Yeah, yeah, and and huh? your your lineup's facing two lefties who've been struggling and a righty who's making his 22nd career start. Only struck out nine people in 16 innings. Yeah, it's the, you know, you you shorten this. You don't think about who you're going to face tomorrow. You think about Sean Manaya. You know, you, you dig into his stats. The last three games, he's given up seven homers and 14 innings. The, the sinker for him has not been real good. Now, the question will be is, as aggressive as the, as the Blue Jays are as a lineup, can they go up because he's going to make some good pitches. He's going to throw some good sinkers. Got a good curveball. He's got a decent changeup. But the, he's going to throw some good sinkers. Can they lay off the pitcher's one? and get the one that's elevated out over the plate. That's the question. If they can do that, they can score some runs. And for me, Alec Manoa is going to, he's going to get the foot down and he's going to do it with some aggression and he'll be throwing strike one. Hopefully, you know, maybe he doesn't have as many of the two different sliders. Maybe he's got the one really good one because the sinker's been working for me better than it has all year. So why have two if you don't need it? Only have the one sinker or the, the sinker and then you only have the one slider. Maybe you can eliminate people that way. You get a few more strikeouts, but for me, the one thing that I'll be looking at is will they lay off of Sean Manaya's good sinker mm. to get the one that's not good? That that's the question because he has out of the seven, he's given up uh, four of those are off the sinker. If you look where they're at, they're basically elevated right down the middle. So he'll throw you some good ones, but occasionally he'll throw you one that's right down the middle, elevated about ninety three miles an hour. That for me is the one they got to hunt. If they can hunt that. They'll have a good chance. There's no real surprises in the Blue Jays lineup today. Uh, George Springer is leading off in DHing, and he hit Sean Manaya pretty well. He's leading off in DHing. Marcus Semyon is hitting second and playing second. Vladdy is at first. Bo is at short. Teoscar's in right. Alejandro Kirk's behind the plate. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is in left field. Randall Grichuk hitting eighth in center field. Kevin Smith at third base. And as we mentioned, Alec Manoa uh, on the mound for the Blue Jays. An in- interesting matchup here for Alec Manoa. He's a he's a slider two seamer guy. Yeah, and the A's are almost like two different teams when it comes to approaching the sliders and the two seamers, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Well, if you if you look at what they do, that's what sort of the matchup. And and if you're Alec Manoa and you're Pete Walker, you're trying to figure out how much do you use the slider? Do you do you look at a team and if they struggle against one of your pitches, do you throw the other one more? And that's sort of what you're looking at. And this just some rough numbers. A's bats versus the slider. They're they're hitting 219. They've they've hit 31 homers. They have the second lowest whip percentage against the slider. They have the third lowest K percentage against the slider. They have the a fifth lowest strike percentage. So they're pretty decent on the slider. That'll tell you they got some veteran guys in that lineup who hunt, maybe guess, occasionally getting some counts where they're seeing something spinning. Because of the hard velocity era in 2021, you know, you don't want to so much all the time hunt for that. You want to look for something spinning. If you can get it out over the plate, maybe you stay in the big part of the field. You can create some backspin that way by hitting the bottom part of the ball. And then you look at the bats, the A's bats against the sinker. They're hitting 257. They've only hit 17 homers. They have the fourth highest strike percentage and the fifth highest K percentage. Mm-hmm. So that'll tell you right there. You know, that they, it just sounds to me like they guess. And occasionally, velocity can get them. So if the, if you're Alec and you're looking at those numbers and you're Petey and you're looking at those numbers, maybe you're attacking early, you're establishing that. You're establishing the elevated four-seamer. You start to get the sinker, right? Don't be so fine with it. Don't nibble with it, which he's not going to do that because of who he is. But 
point is, if you're just looking at those kind of stats there, you're you're thinking to yourself, I don't I can come right after. Mm-hmm. No, as long as I don't throw it down the middle and it's sinking a little, I got a good chance of getting some, you know, some quick outs. That way I'm more efficient. I can go deeper in this game. That way I hide some woes that, you know, they're sort of having in the bullpen. And, you know, e- even with if you look at uh at Manoa's average break of fifteen point four inches on his slider, uh that's pretty good too. So, so you're looking at how much his his sliders breaking and and when he would throw that, and it's just an interesting stats and, and interesting information to look for. Of you know, if he if he looks at the same stats that I'm looking at, will, will he attack this team differently, or will he stay who he is? If I'm feeling it, I'm throwing it. Mm-hmm. That'd be an interesting thing too, because you know he is a young guy. You don't want to overthink it too much, but sometimes, occasionally, you want to look at some stats that'll tell you right. These guys guess a little. That they're hunting some secondary pitches to create backspin, maybe throw something else. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup too against uh, a team. We talked about this with with Carlos Payne and talked to, talked about it uh, as well yesterday with Ed Sprague. It's an interesting matchup against a team that is, has a pretty pretty basic approach to hitting, like pretty focused, pretty basic. Stay in a big to part of the field. Don't yeah. overthink it. Look for something out over the plate, down the middle, sort of thing. You know, they're a veteran team. They got some veteran guys in there, been there and done it before. That that matters down the stretch. That, that's what I that's why I mentioned about the the Sean Manaya thing. You you look at the stats, the home runs he's given up, where he's throwing those pitches, and what the issues the Blue Jays have. They have issues chasing and a changeup. Mm-hmm. Well, Sean Manaya's got a pretty decent changeup, and he'll he'll throw the sinker. It's just that why would I go up and swing at a ball down? That's on the corner on the plate early in counts. You shouldn't do that. Why All would right. you do that? So you hunt something up. On the plate. Let, let, let's let's talk about Sean Manaya for a minute here. Let's talk about some numbers here. Now he's coming off in August where he was 0 and 3. He had a 9.90 ERA. Opponents were hitting 3.44 against him. That ERA is the highest by an Athletics pitcher in a month, with 20 more innings pitched since Carl Scheib in 1947. Folks, they were in Philadelphia when that happened. Yeah, he's working on an extra day. Kansas City. He's working on an extra work. day's rest too because uh, Frankie Montas had visa issues. They had the flip flop their right. starts. Manaya was supposed to make the start yesterday. Well, he's not doing that. He's making the start, obviously, today. So he's got an extra day. Maybe that, you know, have a little bit more life. So it's uh Yeah, righties are hitting 282 off him with the 785 OPS. There you go. So, uh, and on six days rest, he's 5-6 and six with a 5.09 ERA uh, throughout his career. He's given up three home runs in two of his last three starts. I mean, he just has, he, 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 hasn't, he been just good. hasn't been good. Lo- location of the sinker either. It's not sinking either. It is sinking when it sinks, it's down the middle. It's elevated that, that again, though, you look at, think about the blue Jays woes against lefties. They mm-hmm. chase, they don't force them in their zone. Now it's not on the plate on the plate is, you know, a good sinker ball guy is going to throw. He's going to live on that, that lower corner part of the plate. Well, it's up to the Blue Jays this late in the season to have those quality past the baton at bats. And if they can do that and score some runs and give Alec Manoa a little bit of a cushion early, take a little pressure off him so now he can be aggressive, attack the zone, not be afraid to pitch in. You know, this, 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 these are big-time games now. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. This is what we were yelling and screaming for. Meaningful games in September. Guess what? They're here. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for meaningful games in September 25th, but... We'll take it. I'll get greedy. We'll take it as it comes. We'll take it as it comes. 707 is the first pitch tonight. Ben Wagner will have the call of the game right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And uh, as always, you can listen to the Blue Jays talk immediately following the game 
tomorrow's game is at 307. Jose Brios against Paul Blackburn. Sunday, the series finale, 107. Robbie Ray takes on Cole Irvin. Of course, all those games will be on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet. Wednesday, the Hall of Fame finally, finally gets around to holding its induction ceremonies in Cooperstown after uh, COVID-19 delayed last year. Larry Walker will be going into the Hall of Fame. And he's had a lot of time. To work in this acceptance speech. Yeah, maybe too much time. Uh, well, we're going to, knowing Larry, if he's honest with me, I'm going to ask him, when did you actually sit down to write it? When did you sit down to start writing it? We'll find out. Uh, it's a great day for Canadian baseball. There'll be a lot of happy people. It's unfortunate that it, boy, if this had been a regular, uh, like a regular Hall of Fame induction year, the number of folks from Montreal and Toronto and, 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 the Maritimes that would be down there at Cooperstown would be remarkable. So, uh, but Larry Walker will be there. And at the end of the day, he's the most important. He is the most important guy. Hall of Famer Larry Walker joins us next. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Oh, push the on button. Why do I do that? Why do I not push the on button? Arthritis. What <laughs> the hell did that have to do with it? Where did that come from? <sighs> Thank God it's the weekend. Yeah. 7.07 will be the first pitch tonight as the Jays take on the A's. Alec Manoa on the mound for the Jays. Sean Manaya. For the Oakland Athletics, the first of three games, the Jays needing to close some ground on uh, Oakland, Seattle, and Boston in the wild card race. And they've got three games here, then they go on to Yankee Stadium hmm. for four. And that's basically, ladies and gentlemen, your, that's your season. That's your 2021 season. It really is. I we you know we hate to say it that way, but it it truly is when. You're facing Oakland, who's a really good team. You have to go into Yankee Stadium. You know, everything that goes in, you know, you sort of jokingly say it about all the fans and about playoff time. It's a different Yankees team than the one we saw before. 1,000%. It's going to be a little harder to pitch to them. You know, they they found a little bit of their mojo. You know, they've had some ups and downs here lately. But, you know, you you add that home field advantage with all the, the, the people in the stands. It's going, to, it's going to be nice to see how they handle it. A young team, a young lineup like the Blue Jays, do they even care? The all systems go. If yeah, Vladdy, look, if, I'm, if I'm with and you. George I'm... are hitting and Marcus Simeon does his thing, it won't matter. No, I, I, I'm with you. I am, I, am, I am looking forward to seeing this young core play that series at Yankee Stadium at, uh, at, at this time of the year. Yeah, I, 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 I really am. And I, play, that, I play right field and the last day of the season in Yankee Stadium. You know, it's, it's not the easiest thing. John Gibbons' parting gift to you. Well, they wore me out for seven innings until I chucked a, a ball up the backstop. Yeah. And Gibby gave me like that. You're never playing out there again for me. <laughs> Look. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that, Gibby. Yeah. I, if you're going to get taken out of game, do it right. Have yeah. no doubt in his mind whether he needed to take me out for defensive How many times purposes? did you play right field? Once. That was it? Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, our next guest, that's a perfect segue. <laughs> How about that? How'd oh. I do that? 
You like Two that? years ago, you wouldn't be able to do no it, but now way. you are. Our next guest certainly knew how to play right field. He played it so well that uh, it got him into the Hall of Fame, or at least his proficiency got him into the Hall of Fame. He is Larry Walker, and he joins us in Baseball Central. Larry, thanks so much for doing this. And uh, I know we we spoke on Tim and Sid the day you got the, you got the vote. Um, again, I'm just going to repeat congratulations. I'm also going to tell you that I don't think I have to tell you this, but Dude, you've had like a year and seven months to prepare this speech. <laughs> this this better be freaking Shakespeare. It it really better be Shakespeare. No pressure. <laughs> well, yeah, you're you're talking to a guy that uh, dropped out of school to go play baseball. So if you think you're going to get some piece of literature that's going to shock the world, uh, you better keep on dreaming for the next guy to come along to do that because uh, that's not my forte. All, all kidding aside, Larry, you know, now that the day is, is well, the day is, is gonna, going to be here on Wednesday, but the, the ceremonies and things like that, the, 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 the stuff around it is starting. Um, what's it like? Like, how, does, does being a Hall of Famer, I don't, I don't think, knowing you, I don't think being a Hall of Famer is going to change you as a person, but does it, it kind of change how you think of yourself as a baseball player and, and think of or change how you thought of your career? Well, to this day, it hasn't changed a single thing in my mind. Uh, I, I, I say things the same. I, I do the same things, and, uh, and I, don't, I don't feel like there's any difference. You know, there, there's, there's that now – you know, like when you say it now, speaking to Hall of Famer, Larry Walker comes in front of my name, but that doesn't change who I am or what I've done. I, I still I still consider myself just a, an everyday normal dude that happened to play ball. And, you know, I can I can sit down and, and just, you know, shoot the breeze with anybody, regardless of who they are. I don't need to just hang around famous people. The average Joe is just fine with me as well. So I don't uh, I don't feel that if if, if, if it's going to change uh uh, and it hasn't happened yet, it's never going to happen. So I'm quite content to where I'm at right now. Okay, be honest with me. Signing a baseball with HOF on it, how's that feel? Yeah, that was that one was pretty neat. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> I guess at any time, if you want, you can, you know, you can sign your name with an HOF <laughs> on it if you want. But, gotcha. but, <laughs> but does it does it count you know and, and no. so when you put it on there and it actually counts and means something it's like uh, oh wow yeah that's that was pretty neat so <laughs> you know larry I, I was thinking um i i remember an interview i did with tony la Russa, uh when you were with the cardinals and tony tony la Russa was it was he was talking about you and and you know he said it one of the things that stood out to him about you was that your baseball instincts were so good and he you know he talked about how you know larry walker is a great athlete you know there's a lot of god-given gifts there but he really did make the point that he said he did some stuff on the base pass and in the field that would that to, it, to tony's point of view was purely instinctive do, do you ever wonder how that came about like was it again was that just like a gift from god or you know did you kind of set out to figure out some of the the finer points of the game and, you know, try to get an edge that way? Well, I think it's a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I learned the game very late, so I didn't have all those years of high school ball and college ball to precede my professional uh, game and, and pick up bad habits, perhaps, you know, or, or maybe forget things. Every, everything I learned was pretty close to my debut in the major league. So 
it was all fresh in my mind. And, you know, the, the, the coaching along the way, which I'll, I'll be mentioning some of the, some early teachers in my career that, you know, were there at the very beginning when I was, you know, I mean, I was putting holes in the, in the batting cage because I couldn't get hit it out of the cage. You know, I was just, I was that raw. So I had a ton of learning to do and, and, and then I did. I, I spent a lot of time honing every part of the game because I felt like I could do every part of the game. And, and, and to add to that question is I think a lot of that was, you know, thanks, Mom and Dad. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you brought a kid into the world that was an athlete, you know, and I'm, I'm very athletic and I can pick up most sports. And, um, you know, since I retired, I think you saw I took up 10-pin bowling for a couple of years, right. bowled a perfect game, just had a hole-in-one the other day out at Shadow Creek. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm an athlete. That's, that's, uh, that helps in the cause a lot. Uh, in today's game, is there a hitter out there that reminds you of a young Larry Walker? Gosh, I'm, you know, I, I guess if this, he doesn't remind me of me because he's big, strong, and he pitches, but Otani with how he has adjusted, and, and that was what I had to do. It was a constant constant game of uh, adjusting to how you felt that day, maybe what nagging injury you had, uh, how you fared against the pitcher, and I think with how Otani was doing at the beginning, um, you know, he, he struggled a bit, and, and now this year, I mean, good Lord, what he's doing is out of this world. And, you know, it's just those adjustments along the way. And, um, you know, and, and coming with those adjustments comes probably the most important thing, and that's the mental part of the game. You know, if, uh, I, I feel like he's probably done what I did, and I, I beat the game mentally, which made it so much easier to, to go out and play. Larry, did you become a different hitter as you got older? And I'm thinking specifically of the move, you know, the move to Coors Field. Did you become a different hitter as a result of moving there? I don't think so. I, you know, I, I, I always wanted to have that ability that nobody knew where to play me defensively. And usually when I stepped in the box, you know, you always look to see where the defense is playing. And it was very rarely that uh, a team would play a shift on me of any sort, you know, or just, to, you know, to, to pull a little bit. Uh, I was played pretty much straight up and, and that was my game. I didn't, uh, I didn't want to have one strength. I wanted to be strong at every, you know, every aspect of hitting the ball down the left field line, right field, or just, you know, being able to put a bunt down. You know, I just you know, like I said, I, I enjoyed excelling at everything. I, and if I didn't uh, feel I was good enough at one aspect of the game, then you know, I would work on it. How, how do you think swings and preparation today compares to when you played with hitters? Um, well, not knowing exactly what's going on, I, you know, I don't follow the game as much as I, I did when I first retired, but, um, you know, the, the game has definitely changed. That's, that's, yeah. that's an easy one to see, you know, especially with what I just talked about with the, the shifts going on right now that you didn't see before, but you know, the, the, the defense adjusted, but the hitters haven't adjusted. There's just so many opportunities for free hits and base runners that uh, hitters don't seem to want to take advantage of. So, uh, I think that preparation, uh, it, it's, you know, everybody just has one mentality. And if they're going to play four guys on the right side of second base, well, I'm going to try to hit it through them. Well, okay, good luck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Larry, listen, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know you've got a lot in your uh, lot in your plate these next couple of days. Um, as I said, I wish it was kind of a, a normal Hall of Fame in- induction and a normal time of the year because there would have been a ton of, uh, a ton of, ton of folks from Canada down there, but you know that we're going to be thinking of you and you know that we're really, really proud of you and enjoy the day, my friend, enjoy everything around it. You, you really deserve it. And thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Well, I, 
Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. And like I say, I'm I'm not a public person, so in a, and not saying this in a bad way, I'm kind of good at. I'm glad it's a little low key this year, to mm-hmm. where I can go in and and maybe feel a little more relaxed. Because I'm going on about three weeks right now of not sleeping, so I'm <laughs> I'm so nervous about this whole experience. So, uh, but uh, I get to be a rookie one more time. So, I'm, but I'm looking forward to it. I yeah. see you guys uh, cheering, cheering me on and watching. All right, thanks, Larry. Take care of yourself. Yeah, see you guys. Larry Walker, Hall of Famer Larry Walker. He'll yeah. do he'll do just Yeah, it's fun. It's fine. it's funny to hear a guy that's had the success that he's had playing in front of fifty thousand fans. And then you hear somebody like Jim Tomey, who when he did his speech that he flew to Cooperstown like two weeks before to give his speech yeah. in front of an empty field just so he could get used to standing up there. And it's it's funny how you know, these guys are thinking this way, this, this through as much as they it's are. A, yeah, and you know what? It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, I've, I've gone to a couple of them, and there is a moment um, during this ceremony where you, where the stage is full <clears throat> of all the Hall of Famers who've come in for the weekend. Yeah. And, and there's kind of a, and, and I was there when <clears throat> when when uh, when Robbie Alomar uh, went in the Hall of Fame, when Pat Gillick went out, went in, into the Hall of Fame, and there was kind of a moment, and I we're sitting off to the side, where you look at the guys on that dais, and it's kind of it was cool for me because a lot of the guys who were Hall of Famers from when I played. I didn't get a chance to see a lot of these guys on TV. A lot of us didn't. I mean, there was one game a week, yeah. if, if you were lucky. And it was funny because I went through, there's like five guys in particular, this Rod Carew, Reggie, and I could, honest to God, I, I could kind of look at them and I could remember stuff. Like I could remember stuff I had seen Rod Carew do. I remember, I, I could remember Reggie Jackson. I remember Johnny Bench, first game I saw live, Johnny Bench was catching. And, and you kind of... It was just, uh, if you're a baseball fan, the museum's great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, If you get a chance, go there. The museum's great. But the ceremony itself, when you see all those guys up on the the stage, is just, it really takes your breath away if you're a baseball fan. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can just remember when I was in in my basement with my dad, he would would block off half the basement where I could – Get, get a wiffle ball machine and he was throwing wiffle balls at me till my hands would bleed. And just thinking about me, you know, at the end of my career going up on that stage and right. you, you dream like you, you dream. And I, I can't imagine how Larry Walker's feeling now of it's actually coming true. And he can see everything that he went through as he's given the speech. Yeah. And I, I just can't imagine and that for a guy from like me that that's, that tried to go as far as I, that I went and, you know, on the flip side, seeing a guy like Larry Walker just doing the things that he's doing on a baseball field, it, it's got to feel, it's got to feel awesome. And, and Larry's right; he got a late start, but it used to kind of frustrate me because <clears throat> people would look at Larry and they'd go, "Okay, here's this guy from Canada, former junior hockey player." You know, I mean that that aspect of Larry's athletic career gets overplayed a bit, but former junior hockey player. Uh, you know, everybody would go, wow, look at this guy. He's plays with a hockey player's mentality and, and all this and, you know, and, and hard work. And, and he did, he worked hard again, as Larry said, he was a late bloomer. And I, I loved his explanation for why he was so good at so many things is he didn't have any bad, he didn't have any, any, any bad, uh, bad habits. Cause he didn't have any habits when he <laughs> yeah, came yeah. to baseball. I mean, he yeah. literally didn't, but I do remember that conversation with Tony La Russa and La Russa was talking about, you know, 
yeah, the natural, the God-given ability and all that. And Larry's right. He's a freakishly good athlete. He, yeah. can, he can bowl. He can golf. He can play hockey, obviously. He, he can do whatever he wants. But Tony said, you know, I, I don't think people ever gave him or would ever give him enough credit for being baseball smart. Like this idea that he was kind of this happy-go-lucky guy with an offbeat sense of humor um, you know, and well, God, I, gee, I, you know, I don't know how I did that. He said, Larry, Larry knows exactly what he's doing. And he said, Larry sees stuff on the field, uh, especially when he's on the field, when he's in right field and that he sees plays developing and he sees stuff developing that other players don't. Now think of the guys, Tony LaRusse has been around. This was, this was at the end of Larry Walker's career. So think of the guys Tony LaRusse had managed in, in, in Chicago, in Oakland. And then with, with, with St. Louis, we're talking about Albert Pujols. We're talking about a lot of really good players. Yeah. And he said that the guy that had, he thought, had the, just the biggest baseball brain, as he called it, was Larry Walker. Yeah, what, what if the, what if the, the wonder if Montreal or Colorado had walked up to him and said, hey, you ever thought about trying to do both? It's just funny that when I, when I mm-hmm. said who, who would he compare himself to swing-wise, and, and he mentioned Otani, and, and just wondering if you know, these BBs from right field. Yeah. Like to think that he could pitch and hit being the athlete that he is. I wonder what his answer would have been. If, if an organization would have walked up to him and went, hey, what, you ever yeah. thought about trying it? Yeah, it would I don't be. Know, huh? Yeah, I mean, early in his career to Larry, Larry kind of fought injuries. Um you know, and as a matter of fact, I can remember Felipe Alou saying one time that, you know, he said, look, there's no doubt that he could be one of one of the best players to ever play for the Expos. He said, I just, I don't, I, I worry about whether or not he's, he's, he's going to be able to, to stay healthy. Yeah. You know, Larry played on that horrible artificial turf yeah. at Olympic Stadium. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, listen, it, you know, anytime a Canadian gets into the Hall of Fame, uh, it's a great story. Uh, it's a, it's a rare story, to say the least. But, um and the nice thing about Larry Walker too is he's continued to work with the with the national program and and he supported the national program not yeah. just not frankly not just just a good man not just in terms of time but he's supported he's a it, good man he's, he's easy to root financially for. as well yeah he is so we wish we really wish yeah, Larry that all was the an best. honor talking to him yeah, that was he, awesome he's gonna have a he's gonna have he'll have a great speech and he'll have a great time it's gonna be kind of cool seeing him with Ted Simmons and Jeter and and, and Marvin Miller. Um, and again, we do extend our congratulations to, uh, Larry Walker. We had a chance to talk to Brian Baker, who, uh, joined the Blue Jays along with Nate Pearson a couple of days ago. It's a good story. It's a guy you cheer for. He'll join us next. This is Baseball Central powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Five ninety five ninety is our text line. As always, you got something to say about the Jays. You got something to say about Larry Walker. Something to say about Major League Baseball. Feel free to weigh in. Five ninety five ninety is a text line. Seven oh seven first pitch tonight from the Rogers Center. Dallas Braden and Ben Wagner will join us in the next hour. But uh, first, we talked about the call up of Nate Pearson couple of days ago and obviously Nate Pearson is a guy that a lot of folks have been keeping an eye on in the organization he's a top pitching prospect but along with Nate Pearson came Brian Baker who very quietly 
put together a really good year in AAA and has the type of swing and miss stuff that if it can translate to the major leagues, well, could put him in pretty good stead for a bullpen spot, not just this year, but next year as well. And we're very pleased to be joined at this time by Brian Baker. Brian, thank you for joining us. How difficult is it to to shut out what's going on at the major league level and focus on what you have to do at the minor league level? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I think um, what I really benefit, benefited from was kind of just taking an approach of uh, just taking it one day at a time and just taking care of my business that day and then um, you know, give it my all that day and then it'll take care of itself. Uh, and then just, just kind of keep doing that every single day. And, um, and then sure enough, look up and it's, it's the end of August, you know, early beginning of September now. And, um, I finally made it up here, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, just kind of going at it one day at a time was really what, um, kind of helped me throughout this whole season so far. Uh, Brian, you know, you look at your stats, you're giving up fewer hits for nine innings. You didn't give up a home run. You know, you've had a little time to reflect, What's the one thing you can put your finger on that's taking you to this next level? Um, I think it's um, just being comfortable with all three pitches and just trying to fill it up at all times, fill up the strike zone. Um, I think that, um, you know, in the past, uh, that was my biggest um, area to work on and uh, just really just going at hitters and mixing it up and um, letting the defense work behind me. Honestly, it's been uh that's kind of what has allowed me to take it to the next level, I think. You know, we had Josh Palacios on a little earlier uh, in the season, and he was talking about how he used the alternate site to his benefit. You know, he felt that, yeah, you weren't, it, it wasn't like a regular minor league season, but he said he felt as if it presented him with an opportunity to work on things sort of, you know, in, in, in the context of almost game conditions, but not quite game conditions. And it's certainly not in conditions right. where you're sitting there looking at your batting average or, or, or things like that. How were you able mm-hmm. to turn being at the alternate site to your advantage? Um, I think, uh, honestly just facing the same guys over and over again you kind of have to learn how to learn how to kind of go about things a little bit differently sometimes because these guys get to know you pretty well and you got to uh got to be able to do some different things in terms of putting in different spots and mixing speeds uh i think uh i think that actually he has a good point it's uh it's a it's a little bit of a different environment and you're not going to get quite the same stuff as like a game like environment but like you said, it's um, something where you can kind of branch out and try some different things and kind of see what works and see what doesn't because it's okay to it's okay it's okay to fail sometimes um, and kind of learn from it. Okay, I've seen uh, during the games I've seen you and Nate Pearson sitting beside each other chatting it up. You know, you guys got the same body type, you got sort of the same kind of stuff. Uh, what have you learned from him? Um, I think. Uh, well, just kind of watching watching the way he throws a baseball every day is is something I can learn from. It's uh it's obviously pretty electric. I think uh, having known him for several years now, and then this year getting to be around him even more, and um, we actually play catch together now. So it's um, yeah, it's it's obviously pretty awesome to watch. And I think you know the more you're around people, the more you pick up on um, certain things and um, really learn how to use your weapons. I think. Um, you know, watching him, especially the last few weeks, um, you know, when he's been in more of that bullpen role, I think we're um, kind of trying to do the same thing and um, 
I think just kind of feeding off each other and kind of picking each other's brains a little bit on how to go about attacking hitters. Um, it's been pretty beneficial for both of us, for sure. How was the news delivered to you that you were coming up to the majors? Um, we had a doubleheader in Scranton the other day. Um, and after the second game, uh, they had called, they had called Nate into the office and called, and, uh, he found out he was going, he was getting called up. And then, um, about five minutes later, I was actually just getting my dinner um, in, the, in the little spread line there. And um, our manager, Casey Candell, came and tapped me on the shoulder and called me into the office with the rest of the coaches and uh, kind of threw me for a loop for a second. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on and then kind of laid it on me all of a sudden and, uh, you know, said that I was, I was going to be a big leaguer. And, uh, yeah, came out after that and, I guess uh, some most of my teammates kind of knew what was going on whenever they saw me going in there. So there was a kind of a ruckus when I came out of the office, and we had a little celebration. But it was, uh, yeah, it was it was awesome, man. Okay, the first time I got called up, I walked in a big league clubhouse. I can just remember everything looked new. You know, your your uniform fit better. It just looked cool, right? You, you know, minor leagues uniform doesn't tend to fit. You know, you're you're in some dirtier locker rooms. What's the first thing that you remember? You walked in and you were sort of surprised that oh, I really didn't know that was there. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, I, I think you're spot on with the Jersey thing. I, I kind of threw it on and, uh, it, it fit the way it was supposed to. And it was, uh, it was something, it was something different. And that's what I kind of, it kind of clicked. I was like, wow, this is, this is really it. <laughs> Brian, listen, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, congratulations on the call up and, uh, keep it going and, uh, enjoy your time. Yeah, Thanks so luck. much, man. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a Thanks. good one. Brian Baker joining us on Baseball Central. The Jays have, uh, by the way, made a waiver claim. They have claimed infielder Jake Lamb, who is a 30-year-old left-hand hitting first baseman, third baseman, and outfielder. So I presume uh, he was with the White Sox this year. Uh, 43 games, uh, six homers, 13 ribbies, 212 batting average, 321 uh, on base percentage, um, he's uh, played play about 700 major league games. Mm. Kind of a utility guy. He's played left field, right field, uh, third base, first base, and DH this year for the White Sox. So better than Brave Valera as a lefty bat. I mean, I, I guess I don't know. He's, he's a lefty bat. <laughs> he's he, he's you know he's a lefty bat, and this team is been searching for for balance i i would think what he might do is he maybe he i don't know does he give you a little bit of of protection at third base i mean he has played third base he's got some experience maybe he kind of replaces joe panic almost would be the way i'd look at it yeah maybe, maybe he's, got, he's got a little bit more thump than the other two guys yeah trying to play third yeah kevin smith you don't really know what that is so, so yeah I, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of a for, maybe, the maybe rest of ba- the some sort of platoon maybe you're begging a little bit too but yeah well, you know, experience. I mean, yeah. hey, experience <laughs> getting some more left-handed bats in here. Who, you know, can never have too many left-handed hitters. I can still do it. <laughs> Dallas Braden joins us next. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
right. <laughs> Welcome back to Baseball Central, the pregame show edition on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. We are one hour, six minutes, and 15, 14, 13, 12 seconds away from first pitch. The fifth time this year we have called the series. The Jays have been involved in the biggest series of the year, but this really is the biggest series of the year, at least until they go into Yankee Stadium next week to play four games against well, the Yankees. Well, if they get swept by the A's, the that, Yankees ain't a big series. The uh, Jays start a three-game series tonight against the A's. They got their best pitchers going, folks, for the most part. They've got uh, uh, Robbie Ray going Sunday. They've got Jose Barrios going Saturday. And uh, Alec Manoa on the mound tonight against Sean Manaya of the Oakland Athletics. Again, 7.07 is the first pitch. You can catch it here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and, of course, on the TV side on Sportsnet. And Rob Wong and Josh Goldberg will have Blue Jays talk for you immediately following the game on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Blue Jays, joins us in a few minutes from the Rogers Center. If you missed the update, the Jays have just made a couple of lineup or roster decisions, I should say. They've claimed utility player Jake Lamb off waivers from the Chicago White Sox, 30-year-old first baseman, third baseman, outfielder. Uh, to make room on the 40-man roster, Connor Overton has been designated for assignment. And additionally, Kirby Sneed, left-handed pitcher, has been recalled from AAA Buffalo, and he will be active for tonight's game. I don't like that look in your face, Barker. Hmm. Uh, so, Julia, I, I, people are waiting for Julian Merriweather to uh, to be up here at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyhow, listen, for these next I, these next seven games, it's, it's going to be a revolving door. It's going to be a revolving door of pitchers. I think they're going to be. Well, I mean, they got, look, they, we talked about it. These seven games, they have to go five and two or they're done. I mean, I, 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 I can't put it any other way. They got to go five and two. You're, so you're, how's it a revolving door with the current well, speeds of the world? No, no, no. But I'm saying that they will be bringing up. I think they'll be moving guys, moving guys up to to you know give them maybe an extra lefty, the situational left. I don't know. There's no such thing as a situational lefty anymore. But an extra lefty, righty. I mean, who the hell knows with this bullpen, Barker? I mean, seriously. Sounds like you're saying the rotation better be real good. Yeah, they need to get a. They need to get a. Uh, they need to get a crap load of, of innings out of the starting rotation uh, tonight, which is perfect because it sets up uh, sets me up for our next guest. Yep, he is Dallas Braden, former MLB pitcher, current Athletics TV analyst. He's also co-host of the Starting Nine podcast. Dallas, thank you so much for joining us. I mentioned the starting pitchers because. I look at the innings pitched by starters in the major leagues this season, and lo and behold, there are the Oakland Athletics with 755 and a third innings, the most uh, innings thrown by starting pitchers um, this season. I, I, I'm going to ask you this. How much, how much of that is due to the quality of the starting pitching or the fact that this bullpen hasn't been as dominant in late innings as we've, we've seen from the A's bullpens before? Well, well, I can tell you that regardless of how that bullpen is behaving at the time, if your starting pitching just isn't getting it done and isn't giving you an opportunity to get deep into a ball game, you're going to have to go to that bullpen because you think that's going to give you a fighting chance. So with that being said, it is 
always about how the starting pitching is getting it done because these aren't just a rotation full of innings eaters, right? You've got Sean Mania, who's been pitcher of the month. Chris Bassett who was having a career year before the unfortunate injury. You've had a couple guys step up in Cole Irvin and James Caprillion who weren't on the radar to start the season, but ever since taking the baseball have performed extremely well. Frankie Montas himself has thrown the ball well. So it's been about the performance of each and individual starter guys that have taken the ball and continue to try to one up the guy the day before. And that doesn't happen without a, a consistent approach one through five throughout this rotation. And that's why they lead major league baseball in innings pitched. Okay. You mentioned Sean Mania for Jays fans who don't, you know, watch a, a ton of A's games when he's good. What's he doing? When he's good, he's out there, and, and this is what I always look for with Sean Mania. Physically, outside of what the baseball looks like coming out of his hand, you'll see him out there, you'll see him on the mound, ready to go, hand in his glove, kind of rocking side to side, just waiting for those fingers to get put down so he can get to the pitch and let it go and just start executing. It's almost like he falls into a an, an unconscious rhythm of sorts. Physically, with the baseball, what you're going to see when Shamanai is working well is you're going to see a good fastball anywhere from 93 to 95, and that velocity sustained is one key indicator to how he's feeling. From there, the slider. The slider's been great for Shamanai, especially on the road. I don't know how much difference that makes, whether it's at home on the road, knowing that you got a ton of foul territory with the changeup, get him to pop it up. Your defense can work for you. But his ability to work off of that fastball that's sustaining velocity and work with that slider to get ahead and to put guys away. That's been a big part of the success as well. So not only the fastball velocity, but being able to throw his secondary pitches for strikes and putting guys away, that's going to give you an idea just how Sean I feel. Yeah. What, what, the last couple of outings I've seen, he's given up, he's, he's given up what seven home runs over his last 14 innings. Is that just missing location? Are you seeing something different in the last couple of games from him? It's, it's location with with Sean. It's really, I want to say it's always about location because when he's sequencing and he's hitting his spots, he's not giving guys much of a chance to get the barrel to the baseball because he's living on the black or better, meaning he's on the corners of the plate or just off forcing you to have to expand your strike zone. That hasn't necessarily been the case. He's been behind and that forces pitchers to work back into the heart of the strike zone, just trying to, get back into account, maybe get ahead of a guy. And unfortunately, when you can't put the ball where you want and you're forced to compete a little fatter in the strike zone, well, I, I always say fastballs in real estate, what do they have in common? <laughs> location, location, yeah. location. Okay, flipping it on the other side of the ball on the offensive side, we, we know Matt Chapman's a, an outstanding third baseman. He's diving all over the place, got an outstanding arm. Offensively, you watch him every single day. I, For whatever reason – it's just his numbers don't match up to what I think his talent is. Am I off there or, or is he where he should be? That's a fair assessment. We're talking about a guy who, look, and we understand how Tommy John works for guys with yeah. the elbow, right? It takes about a year to knock some of that rust off. Even if you're competing in games at the big league level, you might still be trying to figure out just who you are, just who that elbow is and, and how it's going to respond. You know, you've got different anatomy. Is, is what I'm getting at. Same thing here for Matt Chapman coming off that major hip surgery. He's still getting his foundation underneath him. It's one thing to get back to where you were before surgery. It's another thing to try to get back to where you were and, and build on that. And it's really tough to do to get stronger and better 
during a baseball season because that's why they call it a grind because it grinds you down. That's why the off season is so important to put in that work and build up that base. Well, he's been a little streaky, and it's because at times maybe that hip just starts to bark a little, and you're trying to do everything you can to get yourself in good hitting positions, and sometimes there's a little bit of sacrificing going on based on how you feel. Everything we do in the baseball field and in the baseball world is from the ground up, very rotational. Well, your lower half, your hips play a big part in that. So for Matt Chapman at this point in the season to start feeling good and maybe start getting an idea of what that lower half feels like day to day and how he can bounce back, that's when you start to see Matt Chapman swing the bat well. And a combination of him being able to separate the balls from strikes, right, having a good eye and a good plate discipline on top of putting good swings together in, in good hitters' counts, that lets you know that Chappie's coming because he has been streaky at times throughout his career. But right now what you're seeing is Matt Chapman understanding his responsibility in this lineup and taking advantage of where he's hitting in this lineup. Okay, I probably know the answer to this already, but I'm going to ask you anyway, and I know you're not the owner of the A's, but any chance that they bring Starling Marte back? You know, it, there's, there's, there's no way you watch Starling Marte over this last month and the next month we're going to get to see him and say to yourself, wow, I, I, I don't think we need a guy like him. I think there's 30 major league clubs who need a guy like Starling Marte. Yep. And to your point, I, I think there's a reason y'all have a second baseman playing second base for you right now that used to play shortstop for the Oakland A's. Mm -hmm. And whether or not it's in the cards for a Starling Marte to be brought back, I think that remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know that you have to be a professional tarot card reader to have a pretty good idea of what that looks like. So for me, and I think for the rest of the fans, what we're doing right now is just enjoying what we're able to see from Starling Marte. Now you had a chance to see Marcus Semien when he was with Oakland. He's obviously having a, having a, 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 a terrific year here, and we know how important he was to that, that organization. Um, Look, he, he's going into free agency this year. From what you've seen of Marcus Semien, if, and, and again, I, I guess I'm asking you to play GM here, although not necessarily athletics GM, but would you, would you commit to Marcus Semien long-term at this stage of his career, given, given what you've seen, like four or five years is what I'm thinking? Yeah, you know, it, it may be somewhere in the window of a two to four as opposed to a three to five, mm. but maybe if the financials work out, that three to five is something you do start to entertain with a couple of options. Maybe it's vesting, maybe it's performance, uh, because as far as character is concerned and as far as production is concerned right now, I don't know if you can give me a reason why you would want Marcus Simeon on your ball club for the next two to three years or so. But the idea of where he's at age-wise and where he's at production-wise, 19 or career year, 20, obviously a year, I think everybody scraps, and you bounce back with another full slate of baseball and look at what Marcus Simeon has done. So I think understanding who Marcus is as a competitor and as a worker, I would have zero fear, zero qualms of committing to him in the future. I do think it's about the financials and where Toronto is willing to commit, how much they're willing to commit. And again, what Marcus is willing to take in terms of money, whether it's a haircut or not. Like I don't see mm -hmm. him being a guy that you have to really entice because the thing about Marcus is he just wants to be loved and he wants to be shown that he's appreciated. And I don't, I don't think it's going to be a problem for the Toronto Blue Jays to show him how much he's been appreciated there. Dallas, before we let you run, uh, what, what has to happen for the A's 
in order for the, this team to get that that first or second wild card spot? You know, we obviously focus a lot on the Jays here, but what has to happen for the A's to 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 get that spot? Well, you mentioned the starting pitchers having logged the most innings across baseball as a group. It hasn't been the case over the last almost three weeks or so, though. Mm. So we need that starting rotation to turn things around, get back to getting deeper into that ball game, because the truth of the matter is the bullpen has been tested. And you have to put those guys in a position to be able to thrive. And if you don't have a ton of guys down there that can just overpower and outstuff guys late in a ball game, well, then you've got to make sure that your matchups are finely tuned and everybody's firing on all cylinders and everybody's healthy, raring to go. And if that's going to be the case, again, the responsibility falls on the starting staff to make sure those guys are getting the ball in, in positions where they can succeed. So starters, got to step it up. Dallas, really good of you to do this, my friend. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Hey, anytime, guys. Good luck this series. We'll see you. Absolutely. Be well. That is Dallas Braden. Uh, athletics TV analyst, co-host of the Starting Nine podcast, a great Twitter follow, by the way, at yeah. Dallas Braden two oh nine, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, look. I, I mean, I the Athletics have. I mean, I've got I've had kind of a weird relationship with the Athletics. They're, they're, the Athletics and the Yankees were like never were my favorite teams, but I always ended up cheering for them at some point in the season when they made the World Series because I liked I love the old Athletics teams, the you know the Reggie Jackson A's and all that. This is going to be this going to be a really good series. Like these next. I understand there's a lot on the line for the Jays here. I got to tell you, three games against Oakland and a four-pack against uh, uh, against the Yankees, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Like just as a as a baseball fan, as a baseball guy, as someone who's you know spends time focusing on the Blue Jays, I'm looking forward to these games. Like this is going to be this is what it's supposed to be about: good teams playing meaningful games. I just think it's going to be great. Yeah, I, I think if you're a Blue Jays fan, you look at some individuals who could take a step forward. Alec Manoa, gain a little bit more confidence. I know he doesn't really need that, but you're having success down the stretch against good teams. It's only going to make you you that much better even the more you pitch. And, and you know, you look at Vladdy. Can he have better at bats? Bo is trying to tame it down a little bit. Can he do that? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not the easiest thing for a 23-year-old who thinks he can hit it from from toe to ear to tone it down a little bit, get his pitch, that, that'll that be an interesting thing to see. And it was, the, the future looks bright for the Blue Jays, but I'm with you. It's it's going to be an interesting thing. You just see everything come to a head here just to see if they can put every part of the game together. Mm-hmm. Can they get good starting pitching? Can Charlie make the right move? Can the, the bullpen hold the lead? Can they hit with runners in scoring position? Can they make the routine play boring for the next seven games? All those things are going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. 590-590 is the text line, by the way. Ben Wagner joins us in a few minutes. We have a really good text, Mark. I want to bounce this off you from Mackenzie in Brampton. Does Bo's aggressive and hard swing sometimes cause him to be a tad late on pitches? Sometimes it looks like he's on a pitch the whole way, but ends up fouling it back. Seeing him gear up the swing looks like it takes time. Could that just be a part of him struggling at the moment? His, and, and McKenzie's question is, his two-strike approach looks so strong. I wonder why he doesn't just choose a middle ground between the two. Those are all great points. But the, the, the first point there, 
the, as hard as he swings, no, I don't think that has anything to do with him missing the ball. It's the timing of the leg kick. It's when does he start it? When does he get his foot down on time to get him in an athletic position to get that separation from his front foot and his hands like the rubber band effect so mm-hmm. he can recognize pitch long enough to see if it's a striker ball, how hard it is, what the pitch is. It's just that little fine line in between, and it's refining what he's swinging at. You know, I, I've said this numerous times that in August, it's not mechanical anymore. They're like, these guys have taken enough swings in the cage and and know what, when they do have a bad swing, what it takes to correct it and fix it pitch to pitch, at least the really good ones do. And now it's for him. You know, he has a little trouble in on pitches. He has mm-hmm. a little trouble in and up on velocity. He has a little little trouble with who don't from right-handed pitchers on the strike-to-ball spinner that's down and away from him. So you try and refine that, maybe not swing as much as those. And you could see he's taken a few more pitches earlier in counts. He's trying to get a better pitch to hit because of all the talent that he has and, and the little mechanical timing issue that he has with his front foot. But they'll, for me, they'll have to be a little bit of an adjustment of the in-between thing. You know, he's not going to always do the, the two-striker thing because it, it'll be very hard for him to drive the baseball, hit home runs that way. Just consistently getting off his backside almost would be impossible consistently to do that. And he's more right field when he's thinking with two strikes and oh oh he's not really wanting to try to do that he's wanting to use the entire field Mm -hmm. but there is a fine line maybe don't kick it as hard or as high don't you know this somehow maybe you do a a little bit of a toe raise or or a a little bit of a a, more of a gather with your front knee like instead of a raise like Teoscar does with that that's an exaggeration you gotta be stronger upper okay Oscar's very strong with his upper half you gotta be really strong with your with your waist and and your hands to be able to just basically coil, throw your hands down and through the baseball and drive it as far as Teoscar does. Teoscar's got tremendous power, maybe the the most power on the team. That's a different story. But there is a fine line between that. Mm-hmm. He does have a, a, a an advantage with his dad because I'm sure his dad's made all kinds of these adjustments, and you know the league's adjusted to him. It's it's the it's the can you adjust to the league when it comes to location of the pitch. That's why I wasn't in the big leagues as long as I should have been. That's why a lot of hitters are not staying in the big leagues as long as they can is because of what they swing at. So he'll make some adjustments, and, and he'll be much better for it. And just down the stretch, these competitive games are going to help because these good teams are coming in to get him out. They know yeah. what he can't hit. So this will tell you where he's at. The Jays lineup is Springer, Semyon, Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette. Hernandez, Kirk, Guriel Jr., Grichik, Kevin Smith, Alec Manoa on the mound. We mentioned just before the top of the hour, the Jays have claimed Jake Lamb, a utility infielder, utility player, left-hand hitting, 30-year-old first baseman, third baseman outfielder. They've claimed him on waivers. Um, They brought Kirby Snead up as well for tonight's game. Ben Wagner will have the call of the game. First pitch set the fly at 7.07. He joins us next. From the Rogers Center, you're listening to Baseball Center. <laughs> you're listening to Baseball what? Central, powered by DoorDash. Eh, Baseball Center, could be. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash, on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
All right. It is Baseball Central, the pregame show edition. Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker, joined now by Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, who's down at the lovely, open, gorgeous. It is beautiful. Fall feeling, kind of sunny fall Ooh. day feeling Rogers Center, isn't it? Feels like playoffs. Yes. It feels like importance. Yes. And that's what today feels Good like. One. Charlie didn't exactly undersell the importance of this series pregame, did he? No, they know. Yeah, they know. You could feel a little tension on the field, in my opinion, too, with some of the guys. They know it's an important series. They know it's a big week. Three games here and then right to New York. Yeah. Um, How could you tell that? Sorry to interrupt you, but is there one one specific thing? Could you tell in batting practice? Could you tell the way they were throwing, the way they were talking? Uh, A little bit of the conversation, a little bit of batting practice, just the tenor. You know, there was not a lot of horsing around. Um, Sometimes, you know, you just get that feeling of guys are loose and free and easy Mm -hmm. and you know coming off an off day it's really easy to kind of get that feel there was a lot of business approach uh to today and around batting practice and especially in the manager's comments it was short and to the point what do you what do you expect to see from alec manoa tonight i want to see slider i want to see a heavy dose of sliders against uh this oakland lineup that's what i think i you know i like his fastball I really do. I understand that it has at times been upper 90s velocity. Sometimes, though, it's been 92 and 93. And he's had to fight through some of the command. I think the slider is a big pitch for him tonight. It's something over the course of the season, too. They've really been working with him. Uh, we remember seeing him make the big splash on the scene, right? And it's that wipeout slider. Sometimes he's back footing it on guys. The, over the course of the season, they have made that slider tunnel a little bit better off the fastball with a little bit more depth and i want to see the continuation of that because i think that pitch for him regardless of where the blue jays go will be a big pitch for him in september how does jake lamb fit into the fit into the picture here you know the the jays claimed him on waivers uh from the white Sox. i mean he's at this stage he's a 30 year old 30 year old utility player but he's a guy who bats left. He can play a third base. So I don't know. Maybe there's sort of a quasi platoon opportunity there. He can play first base. It seems to me it basically they've replaced Joe Panic here. A little bit of that. You can also play him at first base, and they're still trying to get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, off his feet every now and again. Mm-hmm. But with Jake, to me, this is more of a left-handed bat situation. They're not seeing a lot of contact from Kevin Smith right now. So if they can improve the third base and, you know, not lose anything with the glove, mm-hmm. but get into crunch time here where it's not about showcasing your young players and giving them an opportunity. Uh, now it's about wins. And I think Jake Lamb may be able to play his way as the Blue Jays play their way deeper into the meaningful games of September. You know, I, I, Kirby needs the stopgap, right? Once mm-hmm. Jake Lamb gets here, one of those guys out of the bullpen will be gone. Jake Lamb gets activated, and then we really see the matchups. And I... Beyond even, I think, the, the platoon here, they need, they need quality at bats. Something that they have gotten from, like, a guy like Corey Dickerson, right? We wondered how right. he would fit in. And now you get the infield version with a little bit more versatility with Lamb. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that when I mean, Corey Dickerson's a guy that I've heard people, and I'm sure you have as well, people around the Jays, a couple of spring trainings ago, whenever, people always talked about Corey Dickerson as a guy that, that, that interested them. And, look, I don't want to get into – what the Jays are going to look like next year or anything yet. But, but I, I mean, I, I would not at all be averse to them 
to them bringing Corey Dickerson back next year in some capacity. I really wouldn't. I just like what he gives his team. I like the way he plays the outfield. I I don't know what you're seeing, Ben, but it just seems to me as if he's a guy that they've spent a they've spent a while they spent a while trying to get a guy like that. Yeah, I really like the way that he plays outfield. You know, he doesn't give you a much of an arm, and mm-hmm. you know, so there, there again, you know, is a, a knock against a Blue Jay outfielder, right? Because this outfield without George Springer is a much different outfield than it is with George Springer in it. And that is something that we have been talking about now for, what, two years? Right. Uh, Corey Dickerson and his routes, his ability to catch the baseball, read the read the ball. I mean, some of the simplest things. Mm-hmm. Uh, read the ball off a of bat, you know, right-handed versus left-handed. What are the instincts to go down and cut it off before it gets into the corner to stop a guy from taking an extra base? cut it off in the alley to do the same thing, throw to the right base, like all these little things. You see. You see the fundamental play from Corey Dickerson, and I like that. Okay, Colin and Barry text in and ask, if they win, the meaning the Blue Jays, win the first two games of this series and Robbie Ray is supposed to go Sunday, would the Blue Jays not pitch him on Sunday, pitch him the first game against the Yankees? What's your thoughts no. on that? No, Robbie Ray is convicted into staying on his scheduled days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a very big routine guy. He doesn't like an extra day thrown in there. Uh, think back to going from the All-Star break or into the All-Star break, out of the All-Star break. The days stayed in line for Robbie Ray. Yes, I mean, they that's, did. Yep. That is how convicted he is to this routine, and I don't think you would want to mess with that, especially on short notice. You know, if you get to the game on Saturday, right. Saturday yeah, a great night. Point. Yeah, I, I, good question. I think valid question, but no. Yeah, why, that, why, get a win. Let Robbie Ray beat the Oakland Athletics. Don't worry about the Yankees. Yeah, that no, that that's that's true. And and I think you know, Colin kind of kind of got us thinking a bit because Colin's point I think is look, he's your best pitcher right now. Don't you want him in the, you know, that that big series against the Yankees? But you know, I keep and and I, here's the thing. Like I understand they got four games against the Yankees, but. But, Ben, I don't think – I'm not looking at them catching the Yankees. I, I'm just not. I, I think, no. you know, you've got at, – at this stage of the year, it's not necessarily the number of games you're behind. It's the number of teams between you and where you get to go. And, and I, I just think there are too many teams. I think the three teams between them and, and, and the Yankees, two between them and Boston. The Boston Red Sox, to me, that's what you're aiming for right now. Uh, Absolutely. The Yankees and, – and you know what? To get to Boston, you got to get over Oakland. So I, I, I get I get Collins' question, but I also think you know if you well let's put it this way: if you take the first two or three from Oakland, and you got a chance to sweep Oakland, yeah, that's you've got the game imp- in hand. You've got the game in hand. Exactly. That's almost more almost more important than what Absolutely. you do in that first game against the Yankees. I Absolutely. Think. I, I take the focus off of Boston. I take the focus off of New York you have to take care of Oakland because that's another team that you have to jump over. Mm -hmm. Look at the strength of schedule. Oakland and Toronto basically are 50-50 in strength of schedules, too. So nothing is given uh, in terms of both teams here. So you've got to go out. You've got to take care of business, and you have to. This is what makes that series against Seattle a couple weeks ago now so devastating because you Mm -hmm. could have taken – care of business and buried uh, Seattle, which at the time you thought going into that series, you know, you can stop the Mariners from playing pretender here, yep. uh, you know, and just get rid of them, get one team out of the way, 
not only are you worried about Oakland and Seattle, you're looking up, but all of a sudden, you know, Cleveland's playing better baseball, yeah. too. So <laughs> focus on these three. That, that's my thing because there are way too many teams within shooting distance here. Okay, last one before we let you go. Uh, Jose Barrios is pitching in game two. It sounds like they're going to have Danny Jansen catching, better game caller, good blocker, that kind of thing, and getting through big parts of the game. Do you think for him this will be one of those games that will show, will, you know, basically I'm here to help. I'm a Blue Jay now. He has to have a good start. Now, this will be his second start this year against Oakland. So, you know, that tipping the pitches, that reworking the, the wind-up, those kind of things will help. But do you just think it's one of those starts? At least it gives me the feel that it's one of those starts for him that he sort of has to have this one. has to be really good. Yeah, you know, I talked to him a little bit on the field today, and that's another reason that I think that there's some pressure around this series and this game going in, specifically just kind of uh, the conversation and how direct and to the point even Jose was. And I asked him about the adjustment and if he's made big mechanical adjustments like this in his career, and he has. So this is not something that he has, uh, you know, been rattled by or really looking forward to taking the next step, but... This is the next start to improve on where he's been. And we talked a lot about the curveball and how that is you know, going to be better and it's going to feel better coming out of this new mechanics that he's working. Um, so is this a statement game for Jose Barrios? I think it, and only the terms because the game is bigger. The mm-hmm. game is bigger than playing Detroit. Bottom line, you know, and, and that was nice to see Jose make the tweak in the and the whole mechanical thing and, and how he's going into the lineup, no more above the heads uh, with his hands. But now it's time to show your clubhouse the guy that they went out and got, and that's Jose Barrios, exactly what he is. Because we, we know what the potential is yep. with Jose Barrios. And now this is one of those games and why you go out and you get a Jose Barrios. Ben, as always, we appreciate your time. Yeah. We look forward to your call tonight, and I'll see you down at the ballpark tomorrow. Great stuff. Oh, great stuff, guys. We'll uh, see you down here tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. Take care. That is Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Blue Jays. 707 will be the first pitch. Alec Manoa against uh, Sean Manaya. <laughs> we just saw Alec, uh, Alec Manoa watching the monitor from the mm-hmm. Rogers Center. And uh, just saw Alec Manoa going through his his stretches and 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 – he he's trying to find his place. He, he, there was, you know, I, I've, we we're, we're lucky because we've been able doing this show. We've been able to look at a live feed that, that from the Rogers center that you don't, you don't, you know, you don't get in TV because the TV TV wasn't up yet. Um, He looked, I, you know, maybe he always looks like this, but we've seen this a couple of times. He looked pretty serious tonight. Yeah, to Ben's point, it's almost like they've had a little day off, get together. You know, you're hearing Dante say they're texting back and forth. Te- the, yeah. Like to say that it's it's go time. Like it's everybody needs to show up, get serious. You know, you're 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 doing your part. And you know, I I, I think I've seen him that way before. It just he just looked different. The way he's walking, the way he was wearing his mm-hmm. you know, the 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 thing around his head that's sort of hiding his face just to get in his place, find yeah. his little happy zone, thinking about where he wants the ball to go, you know, the release point on the slider, those kind of things. And, see, I'm a little different than, than Ben. I want him to pr- uh, announce his presence with authority, and that for me is the sinker. I just think when he's when he's locating the sinker, it's got late life to it. He's getting some easy, weak outs on the sinker. 
that just that gets everybody geared up for that thing because it's that late giddy up to it. Makes the slider that much better. I think if he falls in love with the slider, man, may not be the best of nights uh, for him the, because the it's a, a veteran team. And the looks, A's like him some they, sliders. They look spinner. They do. So yeah. I I hope he establishes that first. Well, you hope everything's working and he can throw it wherever he wanted to throw it. Yeah. Probably not going to happen, but it will make it easier if he's established a late bite on the sinker, can elevate the four-seamer, and he's going to do it with some authority. It's just uh, it's just funny that Ben mentioned that. We saw that. Yep. You're hearing people talking about texting back and forth. They're talking. Yeah, it's a big you, deal. It's a big deal to them. You know, all the, all the texts that we were getting about why why are people not showing up? Why are they looking like they're having too much fun? And mm-hmm. it doesn't. Well, I mean, yeah, I, and, and it that, sounds like it's they're good. They're going to have fun, but it's it's a, a business like approach for the next however little bit. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, look, I think you're going to see the same. I think you're going to see the same the same stuff when the camera takes a shot of the dugout. You're going to see the same stuff now that that we've seen all year because that's the way this team is. And I think that is going to be one of the strengths of this team two or three years down the road. Um, I, I, I'm just not, I, I'm not a big believer in like looking at the body language in the dugout and uh, you know, boy, guys are having fun and the game's closer. Guys are having fun and the game's losing. I, I think that's. Yeah. I think the guy on the mound can set the tone though. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm also going to say this. Because I think there's a little bit, folks need to remember their history a little bit here. Now, everybody thinks that, you know, 2015, 2016, you know, the greatest of times. I can tell you that in 2013, 2014, and in John Gibbons' first tenure with the Blue Jays, I was hearing the same thing. Like, yeah, Gibbons sits back. He's he's not aggressive enough. You know, they look like they're having too much fun in the clubhouse. They're not serious or in the dugout. They're not serious. Yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Around 2015, they get Josh Donaldson and they get Russ Martin. And these guys come into come into to, to this team after the whole thing with 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 R.A. Dickey didn't work out. And, and, and I'm sorry, not R.A. Dickey, but Jose Reyes didn't work out and all that. And then Mark Burley, you know, these guys became hard ass older guys when they had a little bit of success like up to that point this team i just want people to go back and think about some of the stuff that was said and some of the stuff that was written about this team not taking it not not taking stuff seriously enough mm-hmm. they look like they're a little too lackadaisical john gibbons looks sleepy-eyed i remember people saying john gibbons was sleepy-eyed he wasn't he wasn't yeah. doing anything he wasn't standing on the top of the top de- top step of the dugout and, and yelling at guys and all of a sudden it was like john gibbons became this fiery bench boss it's amazing what good players will make a manager it is look amazing like. it's amazing it's, right well, it's amazing what good players <laughs> playing well and winning does to all of a sudden people wow. are going look at those guys the pressure's not getting to them right the pressure's not getting to them look yeah. they're having fun it's september they're in first place they're, they're a game out of first place this is great nobody's wearing the pressure i, I just think we need to i i'm just I, i'm not a big believer in like really going into this all, all of a sudden they're serious thing i'm not taking away from what ben said because i do believe there are teams that do that. There are times of the year, and you've been around teams, and I've covered a bunch of teams. You can tell when that switch has gone on, and it doesn't always have to be in September. It can be a certain series. You can tell when all of a sudden stuff is just a little more important to guys for whatever reason. You can tell. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how Manoa looks in the first inning. He's going to set the tone early. 
by the way, I do like those athletics, uh, those athletic socks are watching Sean, Sean Manaya warm up. I do like that. Like the athletics look. Uh, first pitches at 707. We'll go back to the text line. We'll have some concluding thoughts. The big weekend of baseball in Toronto. A big seven days for the Toronto Blue Jays. It is, we can say it, it is the 2021 season. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You know what's funny? You know what I like about it? That we earn our way to get to this point that every game counts, which is great. That's what you want, you know, from, from a team in September, right? And, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to be where I need to be, where I need to be there. So I'm just worrying about the game tonight, you know, and then we'll worry about tomorrow. So, yeah, of course, today is a big game, just like it was just the day before. Every game counts. So, of course, uh, it's a big game tonight. Well, there you go. That's Charlie Montoya. I'll be there when I'm there. <laughs> Talking about the importance of tonight's uh, tonight's game. First of seven games between the A's. Or first of seven uh, games. And stop it. First of seven games against the A's, and then against the New York Yankees. We're just watching on the uh, the MLB Network, by the way, during the break. They're doing a little uh, look at the 2020 Hall of Fame class. Uh, Jeter, Ted Simmons, really good player. Uh, of course, Marvin Miller, who, well, the fact that Marvin Miller isn't in the Hall of Fame now is is the greatest crime uh, out there. Um, but he's going in, and uh, and 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 Larry Walker, and a couple of things. First of all, Johnny Bench, uh, you know, I, it, today came out on uh, social media and said that um, he would not be attending the ceremony because he tested positive for COVID-15. Um, he is vaccinated. And he said, you know, my doctor told me that it's a good thing I was vaccinated. Um, otherwise, I would be I, I would be in pretty serious condition right now. So, uh, you know, our best wishes to Johnny Bench. Uh, and the reason I'm telling you that is because... Well, first of all, I wanted to talk about Larry Walker's swing that we just saw, but it gives me an opportunity to let you tell your Johnny Bench story because I know you told it like a a year ago, and it makes me laugh every time. Every time. Oh, yeah. Every time I hear it. First time I I ever went to spring training with the Reds, and Johnny's sitting in – I was always the first guy there. No matter what, no matter what team I was on, if it was the minor league spring training, I was the first one in there. That's a lot to say. You're first one of minor league spring training <laughs> that you're doing something. But I saw Johnny Bench sitting in the middle, in the middle of the room and I was like, whoa, wait, who's that? I'm like, holy moly. That's, that's Johnny. Bench. So I got, you know, it's like, what do I say? How do I go over there? What, what, what do I do? So I got up enough nerves. Nobody in there. Yeah. Except Hillman. And he looks like he's half asleep. He's like, like six forty five, like half, half asleep, whatever. So I'm thinking, how do I get over there? So I finally, I'm looking around. I'm like, whatever. So I just walk over there and I said, Hey, uh, Mr. Bench, how you doing? I'm, I'm Kevin Barker, and this is no lie. He looked up at me like he'd been sitting there since like 3.30. He looked up at me and said, oh, you're that guy with the long swing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say a word to him. I just turned around and walked off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stay hot. Oh, God. Hey, they, they just... <laughs> 
Yeah. That's very good. Took up enough nerve to, to go over there and hear that. It was, that was awesome. Ah, uh, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> you're the guy with the long swing. That's how he looked right. He didn't even know your, your name or uniform number. <laughs> you're the guy with the long swing. That's all he knew about me. Jesus. Uh, they just showed Walker swing. Speaking of swings, Walker swing was, man, was something else. Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting to the finish. We talk about that all the time. At least I he do. He had a finish, to, man. To mechanically Oof. be able to just, it's, it's quiet, it was quick, and to be able to get to your finish to create carry. That, that's what it's about for any great hitter. We talk to Josh Donaldson standing around the batting cage all the time, and he would always talk about getting to his finish. If my mechanically good enough every single time to be able to, when I swing at a baseball, to get to my finish and hold it, that means everything's on time. And you look at Larry Walker, if you talk about, we talk about Marcus Simeon, all of his home runs, you lay them on top of each other, they all look the same. Mm-hmm. Larry Walker's exactly like that. Yeah, no, he, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of cool seeing, just seeing shot, shots of him in his Rockies uniform and his, his, his Expos uniform. We got to remember he broke in with the Expos. But uh, I was telling Barker during the break that you know, I was lucky enough to cover the Rockies when they were playing at, at, at Mile High Stadium and then in their new ballpark because I was covering the National League and watching him, Dante Bichette, Vinny Castilla, and Ellis Burks Ooh, fireworks. Take, take batting practice. And that's, that was the team that Dante said that Don Baylor would schedule batting practice. He would completely organized batting practice so that that group would swing. They'd all, all four of them. They, they didn't matter where you batted in the lineup. Don Baylor was going to have those four guys in the cage when the opposing team pitchers were stretching. <laughs> and you know, I, I talked yeah. to somebody about it and I said, okay, that sounds really funny. The guy said, Jeff, I'm telling you the truth. Once teams caught on, teams would have their pitchers stretch inside or you know, they would try to screw around and delay it. And they said, Don, no problem. You're going to delay your pitches. Okay, you guys, your group's going now. Your group's going now. We're going to let those guys go later. So they'd wait. Uh, Okay, pitchers aren't coming out yet. You guys are next. You guys are next. You guys, Bichette, you guys go in the cage. Okay, now the pitchers are out quickly. Batting practice stopped. Everybody got the hell out of there. And here come the the big four into the cage to to start swinging. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we said it was great having Larry Walker on today. It was a lot of fun. George Springer stepping out in the field right now. Uh, Kevin, we talked about Alec Manoa. Um, we got and, and and obviously a lot of focus on what the Jays are going to have to do or what the Jays pitchers are going to have to do. It really does seem, doesn't it, as if this is boy, he's limping he's, and he's wearing his brace. He's making faces too when he's running, which is not it's, no, it's not a. It it really does it really does seem as if, as if this is going to be the battle of the starting rotations, isn't it? Right now. Yeah, uh, I think you get so. The but, sense. but we talk about that guy. Why, why did they spend all that money on George Springer? I know why for me. August and September. Exactly moments, exactly like this, to help the kids get through yeah. spots just like this. And you're facing a lefty. You're facing two lefties the next three days. That, for me, just screams George Springer going up and doing things that George Springer can do, which is hit balls a long way, take pressure off starting pitcher. That, for me, is the key in in these games, is to punch first. Mm -hmm. Whoever can score first to take a little pressure off of their pitcher to allow them to attack the zone instead of nibble, that's going to be the key. But I've been a little hard on him all year about staying on the field and about injuries and, you know, about duct taping it up and getting out there. Well, it looks like he's doing that. Yeah. And I mean, as I've said, guys get hurt. 
trying to make a catch. I'm I'm never going to criticize a guy for that. And the fact that the dude is playing with with that, that brace giant on, brace. Uh, yeah, it looks bigger. It looks it looks like doesn't the, it? It's like those offensive linemen, yeah. those braces you see offensive he's linemen. Fa- with. He's making faces when he's running too. It's not so you could tell it's. It seems like they have told him that you probably can't hurt it any more than what it is, but yeah. it's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, hey, you may, who, who knows? There may need something may need to be done Maybe. in the offseason. Maybe. You don't know. But, uh, you good know, for the him good, to run it out there. Well, good. And the good thing for George Springer is here, here's the thing. This is one of the benefits. This is one of the benefits of having a guy signed to a long-term contract. And a lot of time people don't, people don't realize this and don't talk about it. I do think there are times when you sign a player to a long-term contract, it just, he's got such a sense of security that it makes it easier to overcome some of these things. Like I, you know, I, Great point. I, if, I, if I'm a guy, if I'm going into my free agent year, I'm George Springer. Let's say I'm going Marcus into my Simeon. free agent year. Marcus Semyon. I got to think twice. I got to think twice about going out there if I'm hurt. Uh, you know, George's got the he's got the long term contract. That's why I, th- I think you know, maybe I blame those of us in the media sometimes because it used to be a time where nobody talked that much about the length of contracts. And I know I've heard people talking about this now. You know, it, at some point we started to worry about that's Alec Manoa throwing in the ball. Yeah, I know, but who's watching him? Oh, Hyunjin Ryu and, and Robbie Ray. And Robbie Ray. That's pretty cool. Um, I was going to say that Steven Matz is in the corner over there. I know they do that all the time. It's just yeah, kind of cool to watch. I, I was going to say that that at some point we started focusing so much on the business aspect of the game and 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 um, you know and contracts and 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 all this and worrying about where the team's payroll is and how much money is going to be available for next year. And at some point, you just got to you, know, you you got to give players money. It's you, you can't cut corners. You're going to have yeah. to spend money. To get good players in and 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 keep players in, and when you and you would think about that, you got to remember that that does buy you. It gives you some buy-in little, from uh, the player too, man. A little bit, yeah. I do. Th- I, I could see the the fan side of it too. You, you you have maybe a Cy Young Award winner. You have a guy fighting for an MVP. You have a shortstop who's having a great offensive year. You're having a second baseman who is just hitting bombs all over the place. You you got some things going on. You know, you you got the Yankees who are just not exactly the Yankees that that they've been in the past. The Red Sox are going through what they go going through. There's a window, mm-hmm. and there's not always a window in the East. Well, that's so that, that's, that's a fair a, point. That's a that's little a fair bit. Of, that's a little bit. I think of what fans are seeing here is you're seeing an opportunity. You know, you, you're you're seeing things that that are right in front of you. That if they could take advantage of it just by having Springer in the lineup, that's. That's sort of what I see and, and, and sort of what I've been saying a little bit of is, you know, it's, it's I get it. It's a little easier for him to go out there because he's, he's making as much money as he's making, but it is his job. That's fair. So, and he's doing it. So give him credit. Again, 707 is the first pitch from the Rogers Center, the first of three games between the Blue Jays and the Oakland Athletics. And then, folks, it is on to the Bronx. The Jays will take on the Yankees. This is, I mean, it's all, you want to talk about taking it one day at a time. This is a, this is the, the next seven days. You can take it one day at a time if you're the Blue Jays. Cause every day, every day is going to be a meaningful game. Every day is a chance to move up in the standings. Every day is a chance to get closer and closer to that wild card spot. But, uh, you know, I think as Ben Wagner said, it's great to talk about the Yankees and that, but the thing right now, take two of three or sweep the athletics. They're the team in front of you along with Seattle 
get rid of those two teams, get rid of the athletics before you start focusing on the Red Sox or the Yankees. 707, first pitch from the Rogers Center. Tomorrow afternoon's game, 307. Sunday is 107. All the games right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and on TV on Sportsnet. Immediately following the game, Josh, Rob, show, they'll take you through Blue Jays talk. Uh, and uh, wrap up wrap up the game and get you set for the next game. So that's it for us. Another week in the books. We'll be back Monday, 5 to 7, after the Yankees game. You're listening to Baseball Central, powered by DoorDash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. <laughs>